Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Changing Tides podcast. In each episode, we invite guests to have honest conversations about their mental health journeys with the goal of destigmatizing mental health within the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Due to the nature of the podcast, we'll be discussing a variety of mental health topics and possibly triggering experiences. While we and the majority of our guests are not trained professionals, we encourage you to practice self-care while listening and seek professional guidance if you or a loved one is in need of support. With that said, let's start the episode. Hello, my name is Alan Fino, and I describe my mental health journey as a long and windy road that was made unintentionally harder by my stubbornness. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Changing Tides podcast. This is episode four of the Changing Tides podcast. This is the third one I am hosting. Matthew Yonamura is my name. I don't remember if I said it or not yet, because this is like my third take of trying to record this intro. I was worried about, if you're on YouTube, the blemishes on my skin, the the sweatiness, because it's a hot day today. But hey, we're rolling with it, because this is who I am. I'm a sweaty boy with... Uh, with some acne right now, but hey, it's okay. Because this isn't even about me. That's about today's guest. Today's guest is an amazing friend of Changing Tides. This person is always supporting us, always happy to help and attend our events. This person actually spoke at the 2019 May Changing Tides event. Uh, We recorded this episode back in January. So back in January of 2021, It was the midst of the COVID spike in America, which is why we discuss the coping mechanisms in the midst of COVID. But a lot of that message still translates today whenever you're going through a tough time. A lot of the stuff we talk about about COVID, I feel like will still translate today and beyond once uh, we're out of the COVID mess. Uh, I must apologize because we cut down the interview a bit just to make sure we give you the best of this interview. We talked for like two hours, uh, and this isn't like the Joe Rogan experience where we talk for two to three hours and we release the whole thing uncut. We want to give you the best of the best so that uh, we keep you entertained the whole time, and it's not just a bunch of uh, back and forth that uh, won't keep you listening. Uh, Before I go ahead and show you the interview and reveal the guest, please note that this episode discusses a person living with suicidal thoughts and behaviors. So please be mindful of this if you choose to continue listening. Take a step back if you need to. uh, Skip to the next episode. Whatever you need to do, do for yourself, please. But with all that said, I am very excited to share the episode we recorded with Alan Pina. So Alan, longtime uh, Instagram friends. Yeah. yeah. Because of uh, we met through Changing Tides Cafe. Uh, You saw the video my dad and I did that's how you made the connection oh that's your dad this is you then we just started becoming buddies from there yeah yeah. buddies right yeah oh for sure for sure cool 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 um but you said a long long and windy road that made was unintentionally harder by your stubbornness yeah okay could you describe that a little bit explain that a little bit i think when i was younger uh i didn't realize what good mental health meant right yeah. so i i just was one of those kids who was brought up you know playing sports so 
uh, emotions were a sign of weakness and, you know, you're taught to man up and, and, you know, uh, just kind of ignore that, that part of it, right? Like physically you want to be healthy. Mentally, it was just ignored, pushed aside, uh, stuffed into a box that, you know, you'd unpack later. Uh, and so as, as a kid, you know, I, I, I didn't realize in, in growing up into a young adult, I didn't realize all of these problems I was having that were like physical manifestations. Uh, I didn't realize it was tied to my mental health. I assumed it was, I'm just tired. I'm sick. You know, uh, it's just, I have a lot of stress because of school or whatever. I didn't make the connection early on that, uh, my mental health could be affecting me physically, emotionally, and, and just every facet of life was affected by my, my mental health. So, whoa, okay. When you say long and windy road, I love it. That's because I don't, I think a lot of people think of mental health as there was one, like, this is how I perceived it for a long time. When I started my depression, when my depression got bad, I thought it was because of one turning point that caused it. Yeah. But as I've gotten older and realized more in what you're explaining now, there's so much of different factors that could cause it to be a buildup or it is long and windy, like it ups and downs, ups and downs. And it's not one thing necessarily. Um, but let's go back a little bit. We're going to go back into the mental health journey, but uh, tell us a bit about yourself, um, your involvement in the Japanese American community, the AAPI community, little Tokyo. Let's talk about you before we jump into the, the depths of your story. I, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I will, I'll start off, you know, I, I think like most uh, people, uh, very stereotypical childhood in terms of like the JA community. Uh, you know, I played sports growing up and, and that was that, that outlet, right? Like I, I lost my father when I was three. Uh, unfortunately, he had uh, problems with alcoholism and he had a cirrhosis of the liver and he passed away. So I, I remember vaguely like little bits and pieces of like my father's funeral. Like I, I was in my grandmother's arms. I, w I was very like crying a lot. I didn't understand what was going on. Um, and, you know, that's something vividly that I, as a kid that I, I kind of hung on to. And um, but, you know, I, I, I will say, you know, my family came together very strongly. Uh, I am the man today. I am today because, you know, my, my mom, my brothers and my aunts and uncles who, who rallied and and supported us. Um, but yeah, playing sports was such a big, big, like, like my friends all played sports. Uh, like I played baseball and basketball with my friends. Uh, we, you know, I, I, I have lifelong friendships that were born out of those teams, out of the people I met playing. Um, and then just that sense of community where we may necessarily not have been friends at school, but because of uh, different gatherings, like at the JVJCI Carnival in Gardena, mm -hmm. it was like a big thing. And, you know, I met people that way. So I think growing up, again, stereotypical JA story, sports, basketball, especially were, were passions. Um, and then, you know, I think it, <clears throat> just, uh, I, I remember my grandmother telling me, but way back when, and, and she used to like to kind of mix in some jokes. So I honestly don't know if this is true or not, but uh, she would joke or she would tell me, you know, to never shame the family name. Mm. And as a kid, you don't, you don't know what that means, right. but it, it's scary as hell, man. It's just <laughs> like, I didn't want to find out what that meant. Uh -huh. So I'm like, let me not, you know, like, let me toe that line, but let me not cross that line. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I wasn't a bad kid, but you hear that. And as a kid, it's just like in, ingrained in your memory, right. you know? 
Um, but really, uh, I think my, my passion for nonprofit started with um, getting so much from the community, getting that, um, that energy, the support, the encouragement, uh, being afforded opportunities. I think uh, a, a, like an average kid probably doesn't at least appreciate you know, I'm sure there are other uh, opportunities available, but um, the type of support that you receive from the community was such, for me, it was such an important part of my life that was always there. Um, and so wanting to give back to that, it, it started with Go For Broke. You know, I have ancestors who who fought during World War World War II, um, some of them having served, uh, uh, being both drafted out of the camps, but also mm. volunteering for service. Um to me, I think that had a really big impact on why I wanted to to give back to my community. It started there, uh, helping out with Kizuna, with LTSC, with Changing Tides. I think for me was it just kind of uh, natural progression of like you meet these people. They're passionate about their their uh, you know their organization and and the goals they're trying to 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 achieve and wanting to help any way that I could. Right, and. You know, I think that's great because it is something that I could definitely um, relate to because, you know, I've always had a passion for mental health, especially since I experienced like the the depths of my depression when it got really bad. And I knew that I wanted to advocate and I wanted to to find a way to help others, but it's hard to figure out that way by yourself sometimes. So when you find other people passionate about the same things you are, you all help each other. You're all able to uplift others. And I think, um, you know, especially within the JA community, it's so helpful to be able to know like, oh, other people like me face this stuff. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, I, I just want to give you a chance to plug the hat and any uh, other. <laughs> yeah. So uh, big shout out to Japangelist. Uh, you know, Roy, I love you a lot, brother. Um, I, I randomly met him in 2016. He has such a big heart. Absolutely love Roy. Go, you know, support Japangelist if you can. <laughs> I do want to talk about your mental health story. Of course. Um, because for anyone who might not know, Alan did speak at the conference, correct? Yes. Yeah, Alan spoke at the conference. This was before I was a member of the Changing Tides crew. I was unable to attend. So this is my first time hearing your story. Uh, so I'm excited to hear it. And uh, you could go ahead and take it away. So I will preface this. Uh, there are times where I'm able to talk about my story completely fine sometimes the waterworks come out so i do just a heads up like it, it may get emotional so i i you know i, I want to throw that out there uh-huh. before uh before i get started um so honestly i think it, it did start with my dad passing away um you know i think without realizing it without putting like words um to what was going on not being able to define it i think just not having that usual father figure right mm-hmm. i was like looking for a father figure that um, I didn't really, I mean, again, for, for all of the uncles, the amazing, you know, uh, all the amazing people in my life, my grandfather on my dad's side was, uh, be, I think, assimilated that role for me. And unfortunately, he passed away um, five years after my father passed away. So I was, I was eight and I had already lost two father figures. Um, you know, I think as a kid, you don't realize um, it, it, I think just not having that, um, like you don't realize the impact of not having a father figure. And, you know, my brothers, you know, my brother, my oldest brother was six years older than me and he, he taught me how to shave and do all these things. But I, I, th- I just don't think it was the same. I think I just constantly felt like um, 
I don't want to I don't want to say like another like second class citizen type of deal, but I think it was a very apparent when, you know, you're going through like um Father's Day activities during elementary school, right? These like big these like small gestures that are are like these little keepsakes that you make. It's like it was very apparent as a kid that like I was missing out on so much mm. because my father wasn't around and you know, um so I think that's how it kind of started. I think um late high school probably like senior year i kind of started getting the feeling that something wasn't quite quite right but i never was able to put my finger on it so i was just kind of going through life and uh, i was like uh, you know I, I played football for four years i was a captain my last year um and you know i, I did track for three years doing shot and discus and 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 you know so like it i think on the outside i had like a 3.8 gpa going into my senior year on the outside, everything looked fine, but on the inside, just something wasn't quite right. I didn't know how to explain it. And again, in, in football, um, for as much positives as I learned about like teamwork and my work ethic and, you know, holding everyone accountable and responsibility, um, you know, I think it's just, it, it manifests this culture that is, you know, fairly negative in terms of uh, being healthy in a mental sense, right? So, um, you know, uh, a lot of locker room talk, a lot of, uh, again, weakness, uh, emotion, emotion is a sign of weakness. So we have to like bottle it up and never let any, anyone else see that side of you. And so, um, you know, I, I think it started in, in high school where something just felt off. I just could never explain it. I went to Cal Poly Pomona, um, for one quarter, I stopped going to two classes. I was, I was, I had literally two F's and one A, and I, I think if it wasn't for that class I got an A in, which was English, mm-hmm. uh, freshman English, uh, I, I don't know if my path would be, like, I don't know how my path would be, but I had an amazing English professor. Uh, I left school because I, I literally was uh, staying up till all late hours of the night. I was drinking a lot. I was, you know, smoking cigarettes. I was I was doing just about everything to self-medicate without realizing that something was wrong and you know should i have sought help back then of course right like mm-hmm. as an adult now i'm like hey there, there were so many resources available that i didn't take advantage of um and i think it stemmed from uh one is out of stubbornness like nothing's wrong i'll just power through it i'll be fine i'm good uh another thing again is um you know just just not understanding that mental health was so important, mm. I think also affected that. So, you know, between a, a, a bad combination of lack of knowledge as well as lack of maturity uh, stemmed into a problem that probably grew out of, you know, out of proportion. And so for a long time, I mean, all throughout college, I didn't, I didn't seek help. Mm-hmm. I just kept going through the motions, um, you know, I, I used to say the hardest part of the day for me was that waking up and then going to take a shower. Because if I can make that effort to get out of my bed, to, you know, coordinate what I was going to wear for that day and take a shower, I could fake my way through the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But if I couldn't, I didn't have the strength to get out of bed, I would just call in sick. I would wave the white flag and I'd go back to sleep. Um, and so, again, I drank heavily. I smoked a lot of cigarettes. I... I did, again, all the self-medication that you could think of as a, as a college kid, and it just, I, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I didn't, 
you know. Um, and then I've I was finally I think I I will say this like my um my depression was more about hopelessness versus being sad. Right, you hear mm. depressed, you immediately think, uh, oh, they're sad all the time. But for me, it was more a sense of it's never going to get better. This is it's it's all downhill from here. And again, I, I try to explain it like this isn't something logical. Like it's not something that you can think, oh, well, if, you know, uh, it, it, it's just all about my, how I felt emotionally and how it changed my outlook on things. And so, again, being being uh, in tune with that thought process of like it, you, you focus only on the negatives. Right. Yeah. So like if I missed uh you know, again, at Cal State Long Beach, I used a shuttle for a little bit. So if I missed the shuttle to get to my classes, the rest of the day was ruined. Mm -hmm. And then it's just a slow, you know, you don't focus on like someone being really nice to you or, you know, hanging out with a friend. It's right. all about the, the negative things. And so every day was my mindset waking up was it's only going to get worse from here and there's no hope of a better next day. And so, again, you think about how many years of going through that, I think, I think it was about three years for me before um, before I got to that rock bottom point mm. where I had started making plans to uh, to commit suicide. And um, it again, it wasn't logical. It wasn't, you know, looking back on it as, um, you know, I'm 32 now. This happened almost a decade ago. Um, it it's some it's my darkest period. It's it's something that. Again, um, it, it's so hard to explain to someone who hasn't gone through that, has gone to the, the deepest, darkest parts of, your, of, of a human brain and said, you know, have, have come out on the other side. There, there's, I think there's so many people that didn't, you know, get the help that I did. Mm -hmm. But when, you, when you're there in the middle of it, it's so hard to see yeah. the light, right? It, it's so, um, so luckily for me... Um, my cousin, uh, she, she was the one person that, um, you know, I, after I had made up my mind to, to, to take my life, um, she was the one person that I wanted to, to say goodbye to in person. And, uh, I mean, I, I've told my family this, it sounds awful. And I, I know like the perception of it is so bad, but at that point, um, you, the hopelessness had taken over the, again, logical thinking, and I just wanted the pain and suffering to end. So I, I'm not saying this is like my family's fault. It, it was me hiding it from my family and not wanting them to know. But I, I had, I had pretty much made up my mind. I will explain everything in the note. You know, it, it was, it was a few pages long, but it just, it was, it was just, I think it was more me apologizing, you know, um, cause again, I think logically I knew, I don't want to say how messed up it was, but I knew logically this is not right. Right. But I wanted to say goodbye. I wanted to, you know, and I had made, I had made my peace with pretty much everything except for, uh, talking to my cousin. And so I, um, I randomly happened to know she was going to a, a Halloween party out mm. in, out near Pomona. She went to uh, college out there. So, um, you know, I, I, I went with my friends who, who, you know, I had known since high school. And um, during that time, I was like, hey, do you mind if we just go um, go to my car and talk? 
And so, uh, weirdly, I don't remember what I said during that conversation. I, I think it was more just me being so singularly, singularly focused on trying to get my message across, mm -hmm. right? Like, I, you know, I think something so important, you would think, oh, I memorized what I was going to say and do all this stuff. And honestly, I think it was just literally me crying. There's so many tears. And I, again, I don't remember what I said. I, I did tell her, though, that I, I wasn't going to take my own life. Um, I had made plans and I wanted to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thank God that, I, you know, I had my cousin on. Uh, um, I had told my cousin rather than just trying to go through with it because she did end up telling. Um, she knew my brother's girlfriend at the time. She reached out to her, and then by the next day, my immediate family knew. Mm -hmm. um, and so that led to conversations, obviously a lot of tears. Um, and honestly, like, I didn't feel, I thought I would have felt, like, not betrayed, but, mm -hmm. like, upset. And honestly, I think, you know, when people talk about that cry for help, I think that was mine. Yeah. You know, talking to my cousin unintentionally, I think that was my my cry for help. Um, I think, you know, again, thank goodness I got the help that I needed. Um, but yeah, it, 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 like looking back on it, uh, I, I consider myself very lucky that I, I got to the very edge and I was able, like, you know, my, with my cousin's help, I took that step back rather than step forward. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so do you know what, age it was or the moment it was where you think that vocabulary for for your feelings was like synced up with you like because as you're saying like as you're saying it right now like when I'm looking back at my moment it was also my senior year but like when I was able to pinpoint that the fact it wasn't just sadness it was the sense of hopelessness like that word hopelessness and numb and rock bottom like those types of things at what point did you like develop that vocabulary you know what's weird is i i honestly can it, it probably happened right around the time i agreed to say uh to agree to speak back in 2019 oh really uh about this because you know i think for the longest time like i said i've hid this from friends i hid this from family I, it, I'm not saying it was like something negative against my family because it wasn't. Right? right, it was my problem in my head. Again, not logically, but emotionally, I thought I can handle this. I don't need to. I don't need to tell my friends and family about this. I think not talking about it openly never really developed my vocabulary. Like mm -hmm. I, I went to therapy after, and I, I got better for a while. Um, but I think sitting down and trying to articulate your thoughts is like, like you said, it, it, it is incredibly difficult. Right. Cause you know what it feels like on the inside, you know, I mean, like, it's kind of like you recognize, you know, now like, Oh, de my depression, I don't know, like symptoms or I don't know what you call it. Right. Signals. Right? right. They're starting to be like, you might be depressed because you don't have energy. You don't have, you know, but like, you just feel these like, oh, I think I'm having a bad day because of X, Y, and Z. Mm. Um, but I never articulated that. So like having the language to actually describe it, I think came when I have to actually describe it. Mm. And so again, I had been without a therapist for so many years. I thought I was doing okay. Um, the more I talked to the Changing Tides crew, um, Margaret, Shimada, 
um, you know, Jess, like these people that that were more in tune with what was going on uh, made me really realize how uh, ignorant. One thing I wanted to touch on is the stubbornness aspect. Yeah. I, of course, like whatever you think about it is what you think about it. But when I was hearing the way you were describing stubbornness, I don't necessarily think it was stubbornness on your end. I, I kind of feel like it's just you, we, we didn't know how to work through it. You didn't know how to work through it. There was this perception of what health is. It's physical. I just don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's necessarily stubbornness, but rather just not being aware of mental health being such a big thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I will say I definitely agree with you. I, I think it, it's just lack of knowledge, mm -hmm. uh, lack of uh, seeking out resources. Because when you don't, when you know something's off, but you don't really know what's off. To me, the the only real solution is like to go see a doctor, right? Mm. And they may just be like, "Well, you're tired, you're in school, what have you." Like, so that may not be the best method, but usually when someone says, "Hey, I'm just feeling kind of off or weird," yeah. you, I, I will say more times than not, the first reaction is, "Well, maybe you should go see a doctor," mm. right? And I think that's that's fine for a physical issue, but with a mental issue, it's like again, this this was like you know, going on 10 years ago now. So, I mean, it's still not really talked about a lot now, but 10 years ago, it was right. like no professional athletes had come out and talked about it. Yeah. No one was, again, this was something that, I don't think it was necessarily like a JA thing. I think it was just within my family. We don't talk about things like, like feelings on to that level. Um, and I, I will say my stubbornness, I think is more from a standpoint of, something was wrong, but I refused to seek help. Mm. You know, that that's what I think when I mean stubbornness, yeah. it, it's not a, uh, it was like, I, I don't want to say it was an active choice, but it was a choice I made to like, something's not right, but I'm not going to like seek out help for it. I'm just going to, in my head, it was just going to go away by itself gotcha. without any, you know, without talking to the therapist, without going to see a doctor uh, I would talk about it when it got really bad or I was drinking heavily with friends. But beyond that, it was just like, uh, you know, again, I, I when you said funk, right? I, I use that term. Well, now I use that term with my, my family when I'm not having a good day. Mm. And they know what that means, right? right? They know it's 100%. like you're not having a good day in terms of my mental health or my emotionally. Um, I just need a little bit of space. I'm in, I'm in that weird, funky area. Um, and that's all I have to say. And they know, right. Yeah. I'm going to put the headphones in. I'm going to just, you know, I, I got to do my, what it be my meditations, listen to music. I, I, I'll, I need just space yeah. and, and they know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know you talked to your cousin and that was a big opening up point yeah. to your family. Uh, but at what point were you able to openly discuss this with your family? If you are there, you know, I think again, weirdly enough, I think it, it started with Changing Tides. Uh, the Changing Tides, um, um, you know, speech, right? Because mm. uh, I, I, I think it was one of those things where, I don't know if it's necessarily denial, but, you know, I had gone through therapy. Unfortunately, my therapist, uh, I believe, was going on maternity leave. Mm. And uh, I felt at that point, again, this was back, 
think when I'm 23 or 22, something like that. So again, it's almost, almost 10 years. Um, I, I felt, I felt like I was in a good spot. Um, and then with my therapist, uh, again, going on leave, I didn't quite feel comfortable enough talking about it still at that point with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, even though a therapist is, you know, a professional and, and, and that's their job, I didn't feel at that comfort level. Like I felt like I had that, you know, that bond with that therapist. And, and so to the th- prospect of starting over mm. was not something I really wanted to go through. Um, and I, I got really lucky. I was like the first therapist I went to, it was just like, boom, felt instantly comfortable, safe space. I could talk about anything. Um, so I, I kind of was like, you know what? I'm in a good spot. Let me try navigating life with, without a therapist. Uh, and that went on for so many years up until that point where, um, back in February of 2019, when I, I decided to, or I, I agreed to, after being invited to speak, you know, I, I think it was, it was the, the aha moment. And so being for that long of a time without a therapist, not being able to talk about stuff, I think I was fakely, or I would, uh, in a fake sense, say, well, I'm very open about it. I mm-hmm. talk about it to no one, really. Or, like, I shouldn't be talking about my problems. I shouldn't air out these issues because they're insignificant. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to burden my friends. Um, again, especially my friends who are going through those mental health issues themselves. I feel like uh, not necessarily protecting them, but, like, they have their own issues yeah. to worry about. I don't want to burden people with my my problems. So, looking back you're 32 now you yeah. said it's been about a decade since you were since this all really started getting to your breaking point right yeah yeah um if you're able to look back on it would you change anything about your journey so i think it being it, I, i'll say i have two answers to that right okay. the first being i wish i had known about more resources right because like you know in college it's like they they tell you like they give you those little pamphlets right when you're when you're like a freshman or whatever and it's like here are the services we offer Mm -hmm. and i i'm almost certain almost every single school has both physical and mental health services right they may be busy they may be over you know overwhelmed but there is usually some sort of service that will help um again through uh, regardless of if it's your parents' in health insurance or your health insurance or, or again, initiatives by, like, L.A. County, they, they give you, like, membership to uh, mental health, like, you know, meditation or mental health services. So I think uh, that would probably be the one thing I would change is just, is just that, that um, very hard-headed mm-hmm. mentality of, like, I can do this by myself and not seeking help. Um on the flip side, like if I were, uh, I, and I've told this to, to the crew, I've told this to uh, Margaret Chimata, if the, um, if Changing Tides was, was like as successful or as, as uh, prominent as it is now back when I was going through this story or my story, I don't think I'd have a story to tell. I think mm-hmm. it would be uh, a simple, uh, not, not simple, but I think it would be uh I would be more proactive in my um, my mental health. Yeah. Like, if if I heard of these initiatives, if I heard, uh, you know, so that I think partially, um, that's why I'm so passionate about changing tides. It's because 
I went through that without mm. any help and foolishly thinking I could, I could fix this by myself if I just try harder or if I just, you know, um, sit down and, and ign- <laughs> like, I don't want to say ignore the problem, but if you ignore it long enough, yeah. like in my head, it would just simply go away and yeah. magically I'd be fine again. And obviously it, it's not. But I think um, that's why I think my, my passion or my work is so heavily focused on things like changing tides or, or um, you know, education and, and s- similar things because, um, you know, I, 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 I told Margaret and Cortland and, and all the, the crew that it was like, I am terrified of doing this. And mm-hmm. I was deathly afraid of like, I, I'm not a public speaker. I am very shy. However, if, if it if it helps one person in that room, regardless of it, it may not be life changing, but if they if they make that connection where it's like I need to get help, mm-hmm. I will have considered that a huge success because I don't want others to like to fall or or follow my footsteps and make the same mistakes I did because again this is a lifelong journey that I'm on and if I can save someone a few years of, of, you know, that, that darkness, right. That, that unnecessary suffering, if I can save someone from that, I will do it in a heartbeat. And not only that, but no one's guaranteed to be able to get out of that funk, right? No, or not funk that, that dark period. No one's guaranteed to be able to get out of that. That's why like, like this is the second episode in a row that we've mentioned Kevin Love. Yeah. Like the fact that he like, as, as you said, a seven-foot NBA star yeah. won a championship. Yeah. He won a, he won a gold medal, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michael did. Phelps, too. You know, yeah. like, like all these pro, pro athletes, if they're yeah. not indestructible, it, it means a lot to the people who are feeling it as well. Oh, yeah. Like, um, it, I think it's still in that, that stage of it's more, it's more prominent in, in the... In the um, public's eye but it's still kind of like unless you know someone right or it's like if a famous athlete i think it's helping with that that perception that it's it's not something shameful like again i i thought of it as uh i, I was like something almost something to be embarrassed about mm. something to be ashamed about like you don't talk about this because of other people's perceptions i didn't want to be treated differently right. because you know oh like Again, this is all fabricated in my mind, but like I didn't want to be that that person who was treated differently because of my my mental health. Right. I go through these spirals of like doom and gloom, and you know, use now I'm able to like jumpstart or kick me out of those spirals. But mm-hmm. before, like not knowing, you just kind of went along for the ride, right. and you end up, you know, in a very deep and dark place that. Yeah. Let's jump to today. We talked about you, how you're able to get out of spirals today. The era of COVID, you know, it's changed everyone's lives. But how has your mental health been affected since the lockdowns have begun? And, you know, hopefully we're at the, we're, we see the light at the end of the tunnel of the lockdown. Hopefully, because we're getting close to it. Really hoping. So I think, weirdly, uh, the pandemic has offered uh, very timely uh spaces to process whatever is going on in the world right mm-hmm. the the social inequity uh inequalities the 
the um, obviously a, a pandemic that is killing hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions. It's like it, it, all of these different things are converging in such a short amount of time that I think if it was just a regular, like if we weren't in a lockdown and if we didn't have this extra time where it's like, I think it's like if I had to worry about my daily commute and, and like the office politics mm. and all of these other things, I think I really wouldn't have the time to sit down and mm. just like process and, you know, uh, and or give myself space to ignore things that will trigger me or make me upset. It's like, and I have that luxury, right? Like I'm not so heavily involved or so in the thick of things that, you know, I think I have the luxury and I, and I, you know, um, identify it as a luxury to not have to worry on like an hourly basis if my personal physical health or, mm-hmm. you know, my, my life is, is in, at all in danger. I think having that, the, the knowledge or the, um, the maturity to, to realize like I need to just disconnect from something that will trigger me um, has been uh, weirdly empowering. We all struggle with, with how we feel and, and, um, but I think having that extra time to really sit down and and um, digest everything that is going on, I think has been incredibly helpful. I will also say like having, um, uh, I use walks frequently after work to just clear my head. Meditation helps me stay present and, and be mindful of the anxiety that I'm feeling. And, and you know, my anxiety has been very high. Like, I, you know, I, I suffer from depression and anxiety, but like, meditation and walks have really helped kind of center me and keep me present and you know not focusing 10 10 steps ahead Mm -hmm. like all these projects i have for work and all these like fun well usually all these fundraisers that i have to help you know help set up or plan or or volunteer for for nonprofit stuff it's like i can take that step back and just say okay what's going on right now uh focus on my breathing you know and and it's been i think as a as a younger man, I tried meditation and I hated it. Okay. I was like, how can you sit? Like, I think it was my anxiety going unchecked. Like, how can you sit there for, you know, 15, 10, 15 minutes and not do anything? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's such a, I don't want to say a waste, but like m- my immature mentality about it was so, so against it. Mm. And then I think ha- having chaos all around you is just kind of like, let me just take, 10 to 15 minutes and just like breathe and focus and it it really helped kind of um let me reset when Mm -hmm. i when i needed it so um i don't want to i think you answered everything i had as far as covid goes (laughs) um because (laughs) we we, we could all be i mean i also don't think anyone needs to continue to talk about this pandemic that we have been fighting against for so long so save you that Yes. We're gonna do a quick fire round in a second, but <laughs> no, it's, it's not. <laughs> but is there anything else you'd like to say? Anything you'd like to uh, discuss before we jump to the quick fire? Yeah, I, I think um, for as com- as uncomfortable as it can be talking about your mental health, like I I'm still uncomfortable with it, even though I got up in front of a room full of like 150 strangers and uh-huh. talked about my deep, deepest darkest secrets. Obviously, I'm doing this. Uh, I, I think uh, it's like anything, right? With repetition or with uh, 
you know, if you find that safe space to talk about whatever may be bothering you or whatever your problems may be, I think that safe space, whether it be a friend, family member, therapist, whatever it is, you need to find it and you need to really like hang on to that and and utilize it. Um, If it, again, we talked about that light bulb going off. If it, if it, all of a sudden it's like, I, I, you understand what I'm talking about, but you haven't gone to see a mental health professional, please do anyone listening right now. Or if you, if you recognize some of the signs that like, I think my friend may be going through something tough. Um, you know, I, I highly encourage you to like get help, seek help. Um, you know, and I think it's powerful if it comes from a friend, don't Mm -hmm. think, well, I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. It's like, if I heard a friend say to me like, Hey, you, something's wrong and I want to help you. Oh man. I think that would be, it, it, it's scary. I'm not going to lie. It's not something that you do on a whim and go, Hey, you look a little down, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's something you need to prepare yourself for. But I think, um, between my cousin's kids who are, I think the oldest will be 11 come April. Um, and my nephew, it's like, I don't want them to grow up in that same like machismo like culture that men don't have emotions or, or have to hide them. You know, I want, I want, hopefully with, with all of this, I, I just hope that they're able to, if they feel as bad as I did, or even, you know, you don't have to get to that point. I hope you reach out for help. There, there's so many different ways to get help. And it's, it's not going to be just everyone has the same cookie cutter approach. Like mm-hmm. you, you have to figure out what works. Um, but yeah, just make sure, you know, seek help if you need it. Or if you recognize someone is struggling, you know, just, just um, don't, don't think you can't do anything to help because right. there's always something, you know, if you, there's, there's always something you can do. Yes. If I could add to that, um, being the friend that is vocal about advocating for mental health, it allows your friends to feel more comfortable when you say, how are you? Honestly answering. Because if they, if people know that you're open about it, I think it's easier to be that friend yeah. that could be opened up to. Um, I think that is a great way to end um, the interview. Interview. But now the dreaded. Now. <laughs> but now the dreaded quick fire round. I don't know why. I don't, it's it's so Alan. It is so low stakes. You just you just shared your Man. heart and soul out there. I'm just gonna jump into it because right. I'm gonna show you how right. scary it is. All right. Cool. 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 If you, uh, if you could invite five people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be? I think one would be Barack Obama. Uh, one would, <laughs> I'm about to tear up. One would probably be my dad. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and just to, almost like that opportunity of just getting to know him. You know, I've seen pictures, I've heard stories, but I don't know what his voice sounds like. Um, so he, he would definitely be one just to, and I, I probably would not ask him a single question and just listen to him mm-hmm. the entire night, right? I would love to just talk to like, uh, Schindler, Oscar Schindler, and hmm. just ask, you know, just talk, like, again, literally just listen to him talk about all the stories he's gone through. Honestly, like, probably, I'm not religious at all, but probably the Pope. I would probably talk to 
my uncle like prior to his stroke like uh mm. this is i mean and i i kind i have two uncles who served in, in world war Two. so either one of them i mean like one was mis so uh he never really talked about what he did even to his family so i, I would love to hear just like stories um if money weren't a factor what would your dream job be Honest, I mean, like I've I've thrown around different things. Like I'd love to work for nonprofit just because it's so fulfilling. Like, um, I would love to work for a professional sports team because I, you know, I, I'm a huge sports fan. Uh -huh. uh, so, you know, like I I don't know what exactly. Like I I'm not saying GM because that, that's like too much <laughs> pressure. But like you know what I mean. Like I uh -huh. I love to be like uh, like hypothetically if I had control of a team, this is what I, maybe uh -huh. like. Maybe uh, an owner. Of the team. I don't know, like uh -huh. president of the team, or like you let the GM do all yeah. the hard work, and you know maybe a consultant or something. Maybe like I like, like maybe kind of like Jerry West, right? He's oh, he's yeah. just he's not the GM anymore, but he's like the consultant mm -hmm. that everyone comes to, and I don't know, like it, it's such a weird like. I don't want like all the responsibility, uh -huh. but I want to be like close enough to the action. Yeah. So, like again, maybe it's the guy who owns the team would be nice, but for sure, who is your biggest Japanese American community hero? And why? I know he's gonna kill me if I don't say him. So Mitch Maki, okay. shout out to Mitch. Uh, no, but like in all seriousness, I think he he's taken definitely like a, a mentor role with me. So mm -hmm. he's uh, um, and again I, we goof around a lot, but when it comes serious, you know, I, I definitely seek out his opinion. I seek out uh, any advice he'd give me. So I definitely look up to Mitch. Uh, I think I have you know a really great relationship with uh, Margaret Shimada. I. You know, I check in with her every once in a while, and it, it just, uh, I jokingly told my mom, like, you know, she met Margaret at the uh, Go For Broke Gala, and I joke with her that I feel like it's, like, the proud auntie and uncle, like, you know, cheery, uh -huh. you know, because I, I happened to win, uh, like, a, a scholarship through them, and so, uh -huh. you know, I felt like that proud, like, you know, my aunts and uncles were there just uh -huh. like rooting me on, even though, again, it's like, I know it's like, again, uh, you know, the JA thing, everyone's an auntie uncle, but, um, yeah, I will say those two are probably, um, probably the most like mentorship, the ones I look up to and definitely, uh, ask when I need advice, I awesome. go to them. Alan, I could keep you here forever. Um, I'll, I would love to have you back, uh, to record. Maybe we'll do it after the Lakers go back to back. Uh, we'll check in with you um, as the Clipper fan. Yeah. Uh, but in all honesty, it was a great honor to finally hear your story. Yeah. And uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Of course, man. Ho hopefully all of that, you know, uh, it, it, it rings home with someone. And, yeah. and you know, it, but um, just Changing Tides is awesome, man. <laughs> Keep doing what you guys are doing. So, yeah. Let's end it right there. Changing Tides is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Thank you again to Alan Hino for joining us and sharing about his mental health story and where he is today, where he came from. Uh, I feel like this episode really has a potential to reach people that might need it. I mean, I think all of our episodes do, but uh, I just really appreciate Alan's openness about a, to a topic that isn't always easy to talk about. So uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our show for our episodes releasing on every other Tuesday. Give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. If you would like to support our podcast and help us grow, you can do so with a donation to the link at the bottom of the episode description. 
To hear more about Changing Tides, follow us on Instagram at LTSC underscore Changing Tides or check out our website, thechangingtides.org. Let's continue to change the tides on mental health. Yeah.